Welcome to the podcast with your favorite cash flow guys, Mike and Blake. Giving you, giving you the best advice while having a beer. When you're running a business, there are problems every day. Let Mike and Blake help you out and guide your way. Cheers to the good times with Mike and Blake for business beer and BS. Hey, you are listening to episode 102. We are well into the hundreds now of Mike and Blaine. I'm Mike Milan, also known as Cashflow Mike, and that is my partner, Blaine Birch. Blaine, what's up, man? Oh, man, excited. Got number 102 coming up here, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're well into the triple digits now. Well, we're hey, two. <laughs> speaking of triple digits, have you seen Texas over the last, I'm going to call it 100 years, but it's only been like two months, I think we've been in the triple digits for like most of it, if not 90% of June and July, and we're still in the hundreds. Ooh, that sounds brutal. That's not here. Although I hear down in Scottsdale, we're, we're about the same. It just won't go away. Yeah. See, all right. So you just proved a point right there. You just proved a point is that I heard last night that if you say how hot it is here in Texas, that somebody from Phoenix or Scottsdale will magically appear and say, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not as hot as it is in Arizona. <laughs> and, and all you did was make Mario right. That's all you did was make him right. Hey, I'm glad to be of service. Right. He, he said it's like a phoenix. It just pops out of the ashes of, of, of Arizona and says, yeah, but it's not as hot as it is in Phoenix. <laughs> hey, yeah, I just had to get the air, air conditioner repaired there. So, you know, it's top of mind. We are finally getting a break, finally getting a break here. I, meaning not during the day, but at night, we're getting some breeze. It was down in the 80s, low 80s last night, and it was just perfect, right? It was just just perfect, but still makes me thirsty. Speaking of thirst, what are you drinking today? All right. Well, in in, in honor of our, our marketing-related topic, I, I don't know. This one's a bit of a stretch, but it's... Out in the open, barrel-aged stout. This one's about a 12 percenter, so I'm following your lead last week. And, and I have two beer sponsors now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start bouncing back and forth between the two. So the, the first one, the one that was up first, uh, Jonathan Engel from Engel Investments, um, just he told me that last week. He's like, "Yeah, I got to sponsor some beer for you. And so, um, Jonathan, this is the first one out in the open, barrel-aged stout, so you picked a good one here. Well, I probably picked it, but it's an awesome beer. And um, and I'm going to do a tiny little plug for Jonathan because he buy, is buying me beer. Jonathan, investment advisor and also M&A advisor. So, and he also helped advise us in our last round of financing. So I've actually worked with Jonathan and the team and they are awesome there. So if you're looking to do some uh, a raise right now, which I know is a difficult time, so you probably need some help uh, looking at doing some M&A, go talk with Jonathan, Engel Investments. He's awesome. And he bought me beer. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, I'm glad you listened to the show, man. I mean, we, we, we are finding out that we're getting people listening and, and we think what we got a thousand or so a month now. Easily. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's, that's just a crazy number though. I mean, you know, yeah. and it's just for, us. for us, it does. It seems like, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> Shit. I didn't even know I knew a thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's that's kind of cool to see. Like, and, and it's amazing how many people. Because this is where we start to get the indication is we don't really know if anyone's listening because we're crank not really paying that much attention. And then we're out and about both of us all week, and it's amazing how many people we talk to 
And then it's like, yeah, in episode 92, and they started talking to us. Like, that's awesome. That is so awesome. So I love it. It would be awesome if they told me episode 92. They'll come up and just say something random. I'm like, going, yeah, that don't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) You said that in one of your episodes. I'm like, going, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just nod. Context, they may just make something random and throw it at me. I'm like, okay, well. (laughs) But we got a good excuse. So we've done over 100 and we drink. So there you go. Uh, there you go. And, and all right. So my sponsor last week, first of all, I'm glad you got two sponsors in a week, right? Two in a week. Okay. That, that means that you crying on the air week after week, after week, after week, <laughs> finally, finally somebody broke down. Said, Let's help this guy out. <laughs> so it's helped me out. Yeah. Two of two. And um, uh, yeah, so I, and I'll introduce the other, and, and you're all familiar with the other one, but I'll introduce them next week and we'll just go back and forth for a few weeks here as we, as we drink through the beer. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah, so my sponsor last week listened to the show just so he, he was going to hear what I talk, talk, talked about him. But he also knew that he gave me an 11-point beer, right? 11-point whatever it was, beer. Absolutely. So by the end of it, I was a little slurry. <laughs> it's a little slurry, a little slow. So uh, uh, it was his fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think I may have done the same today, but it's not as big a bottle as yours, so I think I'll be okay. Okay, so you teased the topic, and the topic today uh, is all about unleashing your marketing mojo, right? I mean, who are you in the marketplace? How do you build a brand? What are some ways to get people curious about what you're doing, right? So uh, my beer today uh, is another, I found another local brewery right right here uh, in Texas, Garland, Texas, as a matter of fact. Nice. Uh, Double stuff temptress. So there's a little bit of innuendo in there, but I mean, it's a, it's a marketing, uh, marketing ploy. Yeah, right? nice. But this nice. Is a, you found a connection. Yeah, right. Uh, but it is a what the hell, Imperial Milk Stout. So I'm going heavy today on a hot day. Going heavy. Yeah. It's going to have a few, uh, a few uh, whatever's <laughs> in there too. That's got to be about 10% plus, I'm guessing. Hey, uh, I thought Nine, uh, 9.1. So yeah, this, this could be an interesting episode, right? We'll do our best. Yeah. Hang in there till the end and see what happens. We may just like doze off partway through and then wrap her up. Well, I think that, I think, see, that's an interesting little catch. You're like going, see what happens to these guys. How messy do they get by the end of the show? Exactly. (laughs) It's a new contest. See how, how messy it gets. Hey, speaking of contests, we had a winner. His name is David Leary. And David actually has a a podcast called The Accountant's Podcast. Uh, It used to be Cloud Accounting Podcast. Uh, I think he accidentally entered (laughs) trying to congratulate us. And that damn Chad, Chad just picked him out of nowhere. And uh, uh, so we're reaching out to him and trying to get him involved. But uh, we, we want, if you're listening, David Leary, uh, make sure you contact us because we got the Hundo Super Pack we're going to send you. Uh, I just need a shirt size, man. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, you can see how, like, well, we leave it to Chad, you know, little AI driven. Here's a big list of people. And that's who we picked. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, good stuff. Good for, good for David. Get some cool stuff. All right. So I, I always think about this. Let's, let's think about brands, right? I mean, let's, let's start there on the marketing message. Let's think about brands. So when I think about brands, I want that, I think the goal, is when people see your name or your logo, they instantly connect with what you're trying to do, 
right? There's an instant connection. Like if I showed you uh, the Mercedes symbol, you connect, you know what they are, right? You, you don't even have to see the word Mercedes. You can see the circle with the, with the three lines, right? Uh, three yep. pie pieces uh, and know exactly what it is. What is it? How do people get to that point? You know, where the brand is so recognizable that it, it really supersedes even the product. Yeah, well, that's uh, those guys. You can see which companies have done an incredible job on that, but it also takes decades and decades. I think it's hard to build a brand um, that's so recognizable ultra fast outside of some of the the big three, four tech companies. Um, you know, Twitter, if it, no, renamed or whatever, but anyway, another branding thing there. You brought it up. I'm not a fan. Oh, I'm not, not either, but... Yeah, I'm not a fan of Twitter to X. I'm like, oh, not. Yeah. I'm sure there's some big master plan that I'm not seeing and not privy to, but I don't I'm like I'm not that. even sure about that. I am not sure about that. It feels like that entire thing is just driving off a cliff, to be honest. <laughs> I don't even like the font he chose for the X. No, I, it's it's bizarre. I haven't actually followed it that much. I think I've just grown tired of it, so I just haven't followed it that much. But, um, but you know, the, for the rest of us, like, okay, you got some businesses like that. But for the rest of us, we have to build brand. We have to make a connection with the market. We have to use that brand to kind of say how we're different, what, what our ideals are, what we're all about. Um, that's a tall order for, for a, a, a regular company that's just got to fight through the thicket and, and, and get people noticing us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you got to realize that most of the big brands, when you see them around, that's a, that is a brand awareness campaign. When they talk about that, they want you to recognize the color. They want you to recognize the the font, the logo, the shape or whatever it is. I mean, that's remember the Pepsi and Coke wars. It was all about branding, right? It was, all, you know, it was just, that's all it was. And one of the greatest marketing moves ever was the, 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 the Pepsi challenge or whatever it is. Take the Pepsi challenge. They didn't even care if which one you picked. People were talking about both brands the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And, and but it, the Pepsi challenge worked. And I, was, I read something about it that they said um, in a single taste test, maybe they tried this beforehand. For some reason, people tended to pick Pepsi over Coke. But if you drank an entire can, they tended to pick Coke over Pepsi. And I, I read that after and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I have no idea where I read it, but it, and I don't know if it's totally true, but it's it's interesting that they exploited this little, I don't know, um, opportunity where people i think it tasted sweeter and so in a in a single quick test they would tend to pick pepsi bizarre but then too sweet at the end of the can too sweet at the end of the can yeah, yeah that's that's kind of how i feel now right I, i've always drank coke because of it was too sweet pepsi was too sweet but i, I can see yeah. on a taste taste test that could be preferred uh but mm-hmm. you, you know again like you said let's set those aside and talk about you know dry run let's talk about you know even Cash flow, Mike. Yeah. To me, I think there's two main components you got to start with. And we can kind of debate these, but to me, there's two main components that you have to start with if you want to create brand awareness. And uh, the two components are really components of what I call, not I, but it's called value proposition. What What is your value proposition? But to have a value proposition, you got to answer two questions. What is the promise you deliver to the customer? Right. What do you do? And the second one is, why should I buy it from you? So <laughs> what do you do and why get it from you? So that that becomes the basis of everything I do as a marketing message is, yeah, do this and get it from me because I've done blah, blah, blah. I found, you know, for instance, 
I do, I do cash flow coaching, consulting, and training for small businesses, accountants, and bookkeepers. And you should get it from me because I found $150 million in hidden, you know, hidden cash in the last, you know, mm-hmm. X number of years. The, those two things, quick, simple, and people get it. You know, yep. That's what you're looking for. And I think that's the formula is what do you do and why get it from you? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, I think one of the other ones that's, that's as more important now than ever is how you're different. I think that is, is that has to be really top of mind because um, everything seems to be crowded. All spaces seem to be crowded. And for us, like there's, there's a tons of tools out there from a spreadsheet to every different cash flow tool, forecasting tool, FP&A tool on the planet um, where, where we have to be good, where we have to con- continue to get better is explaining this is how we're different and this is how we're going to help you with your problem and find the people that that match with that and um you know like looking back after a lot of years like the the coming up with the name dry run and the was um it works it works really well for us and it's it it was the concept behind it was the problem that i was trying to solve when i first came up with the name and got the domain and all that um was the idea that was very active, very operational. And it's like, Hey, before shit gets real, like before you do it for real, walk your way through it, test your assumptions, test it out. And it isn't just cash flow. Yeah. Yeah, Like, uh, you know, one of the differentiators for us is, is amazingly to us, there's almost no other tools on the planet that seem to understand that sales turn into cash flow. So a big thing with dry run is you got to get your sales in there. Your potential sales, all those potential deals. Let's look at that lumpiness. Let's address that because that's what's going to flow through and turn into cash flow. Um, and so for us, we're very much that scenario modeling um, and, and a real freedom to test all of these assumptions. And it all falls into dry run before it gets real, right? Well, and I'm going to give you some unsolicited praise. <laughs> you showed me the new UI and I tell you what, that one chart, there's one chart where it models cash versus sales and you can see the difference. It's almost overlaying, you know, when the sale happens versus when the cash should be received based on history. Uh, those two, that net change where you can see in advance up to six, seven months or whatever. I don't, I don't remember what we modeled, but yep. six, seven months where I can see where I should be trying to build my, 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 my new sales pipeline, you know, and we talked about one of my clients that says, oh, wait a second. He's got the same exact problem where he needs to start booking jobs now for October. Right? Yep. Uh, and there's nothing more motivating than seeing it, seeing that dip. Because when I, I know what it's like, when you're busy, you feel like it's never going to end. You feel like it just goes on forever. But when you see it and you look at what's been booked um, and what's in the pipeline, that's when you go, oh, no, we're going to be slow in October. And in fact, if we're slow, it could be very like we'll show you in dry run. It's not that it's ups and downs. It's that the down months oftentimes are actually you're burning cash. That's a huge deal, a huge, huge, huge deal, because that's profit going up in smoke, right? Yeah. I'm going to set the numbers aside. The picture tells the best story. What you've come up with there, uh, that's storytelling beyond. And that's what marketing really is, is is storytelling. But you Mm -hmm. you can now, you, Dry Run, can connect whatever you're saying in your marketing message to the product that tells another story, right? 
every every company has a story. We help you tell yours, right? That's just yeah. kind of it's just an awesome way to, to 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 describe it. And it's it's and it's difficult. Like that's the thing is is when I know all you guys out there that are that you're sitting there, and it's it's so funny that it's you see other businesses, and it's like oh, it seems so simple. Or sometimes you see another business, and you go, why are they complicating it? You guys just do this, right? But when you when it's when it's your brand and your company and you know all the details, it's like you can't see the forest through the trees, and it's really hard to not get wrapped up in the details and just tell a really simple story. That that can be a challenge. How do you get by that? How do you how do you how do you work with that? I, to where I'm at now, the basis of it starts in 2012. The the genesis of you know actual cash flow, Mike, and clear path to cash. Is 2019. And even then I was fumbling around for words to tell people. Now I'm like going, yeah. people say, what's the clear path to cash? Well, it's financial strategies you can do quickly and explain, explain easily. I'm like, going, yep. Yeah. That's three years to get to that sentence. Yeah. Simple's hard. <laughs> Simple yeah. is hard. Super hard. Right. Yeah. I, I, I know. Well, cause I, like I had a, a design agency for a decade. I taught design for years we talked about that all the time. And usually if you see like a, a branding, especially like logos and things, if, if they're, if they're not done well, they're usually complicated. The ones that work really well are just so clean and simple and have this, it's like an entire, entire story in the apple, right? Like um, they just have that. That's hard. It seems easy because it's so simple, but it is hard. What's easy. And what's the obvious is when you try and, you know, it's, um, try and put every single little element in, you know, here's our logo for, um, you know, Sunnybrook um, building or whatever. And it's like, you got a picture of a building and you got a brook and you got the sun. And it's like, yeah, that's what does not work at all. But that's, that's sort of the easy part. Distilling it down to something simple is hard. All right. But if you get too simple, we'll say Apple at the time, it was just, I don't even think it was the Apple. There was something else. It was that and Apple. There was a couple of different things that they had going and uh, nobody knew what it was, right? There was a huge, a, a crazy amount of money poured into just figuring out what Apple was in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Just, I mean, what is this thing? I mean, remember all the, they didn't even, yeah. they didn't even want to tell us what it was. <laughs> what is this no. thing you've done? Yeah. And, and I think it turned a corner in the, the 1984 ad and, and, um, uh, and was that wasn't the one that was think different. I think different came not long after that. Um, and, and those things were, but boy, those were hard and they cost a lot of money to, to yeah. make that work. Right. I actually think the think different was first because it was, it was, uh, one that was a little controversial because it was a bunch of guys in business suits and they were all walking towards a cliff and one by one, they were falling off a cliff. Right. And there was a guy in the line in a suit. And he steps out of the line. It's like he wakes up, he steps out of the line. And that was the think different, right? Don't just follow the status quo. That was before, yeah. that was before the 1984 one. And it, I, I don't I, think that was think different. I, th I think they had a different catch. The think different was when they had, they featured famous people. Um, and it was all like a lot of more black and white photos of these famous people of famous people that thought different. Hmm. But I can't, I can't. And, and the 1984 one was uh, during the Super Bowl through the hammer at the screen. The one you're talking about, I actually can't even picture that one. Mm, I'm going to ask Chad. 
Yeah, okay. We'll see what he comes up with. He'll write a poem for us, maybe. Maybe he can sing another song. <laughs> oh, wasn't this the week that you're going to do a rap? That's This would be a perfect week for uh, um, a marketing rap. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that can't be. So Think Different was in the 90s. That, that, so that yep. can't be. All right, so that, that's definitely how yeah, it was after 1984. There was something about uh, challenging the status quo. Yeah, I don't know which one you're like. Uh, it must have been a really early one. Um, I don't know what the the tagline was, but yeah, think different was a really big one. I think it was like Cheat Day or someone like big ad company in the '90s. Um, I remember they featured. I, I can't remember who else on there. Musicians and thought leaders and all these and black and white photos of these people that thought different. That sort of idea. Um, what's amazing though is how long that that's lasted. Because when you think about it, the 90s till now, like you're talking 25 to 30 years and people still know it. They still remember that campaign and Apple could roll it out today and it would, it would be relevant. It would work again. Hmm. I got it. Okay. Something popped into my mind here. I want to ask you something because this one, this one drives me nuts. All right. That's it. Name the most famous Acura car. Uh, the most famous? Just whatever pops in mind. Uh, the one that popped in my mind was the NSX, but I know that's not it. It's Integra. Okay. I will say Integra and Acura Legend. Le- Legend was good too, but well, why did I go to NSX first? Because it's the flashy one. It's a flashy one, but that's also NSX, Legend, and Integra. And what I want to point out is after all this time, I think if you walk down the street and ask people to name some some Acuras, Legend will pop up, Integra will pop up, probably NSX. Now, tell me the models of their three most popular models today. <laughs> are they still in business? They are, but I have no idea what they, they're all letters or numbers. I have no idea what they are. Uh, yeah, like TL something or another. Or T- yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. and that to me was a branding mistake as in such epic proportions because, um, like, well, I guess the MDX was one that it's it's got a bit of I don't know, but it's still just a, a number of letters. But it, it seems like they were so desperate to follow BMW and, and Mercedes and in, in the way they name with numbers that they took the biggest brands in their business and absolutely flushed it down the toilet. And 30 years later, Integra and Legend are probably the two most popular brands. You know, it's funny. I saw the exact same thing with Ford on the highway yesterday. I saw this little pickup truck, right? Meaning like, it's like a teenager's type car for some people. Like when that's what we did. when I was a kid, you got an S10 or a Ford Ranger or something like that, right? It's just a little mm. drive to school truck. Yeah. Well, I saw this little truck. I'm like, what the, what's that? And it said a Ford Maverick. And I'm like, going, that's not a Ford Maverick. My grandpa had one and that was a little, you know, two door coupe, right? Yeah. Uh, it was a little car in the eighties, in the right? The Ford Maverick and the Mercury Comet were about the same. And I'm like, going, how did they reuse the name for a truck? <laughs> well, let me, okay. So Ford has done two of the two, one of the dumbest and one of the best sort of branding, um, I don't know, initiatives in the last five years. The best one is they brought back, brought back the Bronco and made it like the old Bronco with you could do the soft top and you could do all the cool stuff with it. 
That was brilliant. They, they did that. They were smart. They went, we can go after Jeep. We can compete with that. The Bronco is a terrific name. The absolute dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life is when they brought out a little SUV that's electric and called it a Mustang. Yes. When they already have I'm like, what a Mustang. The hell is that? That's dumb. Yeah, they have two Mustangs. One is the muscle car and the other one is a little electric SUV. You could not pull out Escort, Thunderbird. Like they even had some brands that it, it's not even close to those, but at least maybe an Escort, but at least they could build on that. How could you do two Mustangs at the exact same time that are completely different? No, they, they couldn't have done the Escort because everybody thinks that that is uh, the most e- economical car you could ever afford. And you can't do that with the electric car, at least currently. It'd still be better than using Mustang twice. Like, it, it, I, I don't it get cheap, that. It cheapened the Mustang brand. Completely. It went from a, to- a pony car, a muscle car, to we don't know. Could you imagine Chevrolet coming out with a second Corvette and it's it's like a, 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 a an underpowered electric station wagon or something like minivan (laughs) and still having the Corvette. Like I, that one to me, I, I, it, it boggles my mind. And sometimes when you see big brands and I can say, yeah, they're in a boardroom and they're talking about it and they know more than we do. And other times you go, they can't get out of their own way. And I'll say the same thing about Acura as I do with Ford is sometimes they can't get out of their own way and it's marketing by committee and they they destroyed brands by doing that. That's ridiculous. All right. So where are we at here? 25 is about 25 minutes. We can do your, your commercial if you want to. You want to talk about week or your week? You want to talk about destroying brands? Listen to dry run and the CEO talk right now. <laughs> okay. It's probably better now than later in the episode with too much beer. Um, but you know what? Okay. I will tell you that like, well, you know, we talked about dry run actually a little bit earlier in the show, but I'm going to go down to some of our, our roots. That's what we're about. If you're running a business today, you know, it's, it's difficult out there. You know, there's inflation, you know, that um, coming through COVID businesses are struggling. They've, they've burned through so much cash. Um, There's the threat of uh, uh, a recession, all these things. And the only thing you have, is to be able to look at what your cash is like and figure out a plan to bring more cash in the door and make sure you're getting paid and it's just running through. Mm-hmm. And that's what dry run does is we're going to show you like, first off you'll import your data and in 30 seconds. We'll be able to show you how long your cash is going to last, who owes you money. And most importantly, what's overdue that you can collect today. And then you can start to dry run things and go, Oh, we've got a real dip in our sales coming up. How do we backfill that? Well, what happens if we do? Can we expand? All these what-if scenarios. That's what Dry Run's all about is looking into the future and giving you some sort of guidance. So basically, you test it before you do it for real so that you're making good decisions and taking and taking the right action. Right on. If you haven't checked out Dry Run, go to dryrun.com and sign up for uh, just a free test drive on a Dry Run. Absolutely. We, yeah. Dry run, dry run. Come and talk with us. We will, we would love to talk with you. We'll get you set up, make sure that we're helping you along the way. And, and, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta mention this because I was talking with, um, uh, actually one of the guys from uh, Jonathan Engel, um, and JM, they work together a lot. JM was telling me he is very plugged into the VC, uh, market. And, and he told me, he said, 
investments are down 70%. It's worse than I think the last time it was this bad was something like 20 to 30 years ago. And on top of all that, if you're raising money and you don't have um, a legit AI connection, nobody seems to want to talk with you because that's also the flavor of the day. And um, uh, and I was talking with Melissa from High Rock earlier today, and she said that uh, she was basically told that um, uh, companies that have had significant investment, VC investment, are just being told everywhere, uh, you're just going to have to hang in there. There's no more money coming. And so it's it's a real challenging world out there right now. And and um, uh, I don't know how it sort of taps into what we're doing here, but it's it's businesses have to um, clamp down, get down to some of the fundamentals because the only way out is to get into the black. And, you know, having a real clear marketing message and knowing who you're targeting and everything is is probably top of the list. There's no room to wiggle, you know, wiggle room. All right. So speaking of this marketing message thing, you know, I always start with the ideal client. Who are we talking to? Who are we trying to get their attention? Most brands will go to, okay, what are what are my features? What are my benefits? How does it help that person? Right? Yep. I've kind of moved away from that, right? Over the last year and a half, I've moved away from that. And I've flipped it to what are their misconceptions about me? What do they believe yep. before they even talk to me? What do they already believe? Because we all have some type of uh, of perception in our mind what you are before i even talk to you when i say oh it's a cash flow forecasting software i have a uh it probably won't work for me because i got a special business or i got a uh it's probably too expensive i can't afford it or oh my clients will never you know learn how to use it right there's like three things and one of them is about the program which is is it will it work for me two uh second one is internal there's an internal reason why i don't want to buy a dry run and there's a third reason, which is external. What I think you should do, because it's starting to work in my coaching business, is present that up front. <laughs> you, know, you know, present it up just instead of handling objections. I think your marketing should be about that. Hey, yeah. I used to think that a program like this wouldn't work for me. You know? And here's what happened, right? I ran into a cash flow problem and blah, blah, blah. I tell the story. Yeah. And I think what you're doing then is you're bending beliefs before you even talk, before you even talk to somebody, you're getting mm -hmm. somebody to open their mind to a different concept. Yeah. Otherwise they're already closed, right? You got, you got to go through three gates before they get to you. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's um, uh, on my other podcast, I had a Mike Schneider from RSM on uh, a marketing expert. And, and it was really interesting the way he talked about the, um, universal selling proposition. And he said, yeah, that's completely out of date. That was me that, you know, came up with in the thirties or something like that. He said it's a universal buying proposition. All you care about is what do they want to buy from you? What, what are you helping them with? It's all about them. And I think that's a, um, it's a, uh, it, it seems like semantics, but it's not, it's focusing on them and understanding, um, what do they need from you and how are you helping them rather than this is what we think it is. Here you go. Right. And it, it takes a lot of discipline to, to, to open up and, and, and be um, open to those messages from your customers. Well, what's funny is that we, we, the consumer <clears throat> gets educated along with the, with the provider, right? When, when we learn, they learn right? yep. <laughs> it, it, and vice versa. When they learn, we learn. It, there's a reason why we don't like 
to go car shopping. There's a reason why we don't like it when an insurance salesman comes and approaches us. Yeah. Even they're starting to change the way they approach people. <clears throat> yeah. Right. You know, I mean, because, you know, when was the last time an insurance person came up to you and you went, oh, my God, thank God you're here. <laughs> I've been waiting for yeah. you. Right. Because it's one of those things you need. And what their new messaging is, is, hey, when you need us, when you're ready, I'm here. This is what I think. Yeah. You know, as again, you know, this is interesting because as a buyer, um, I had uh, um, I had to deal with my insurance company a couple of years ago because someone backed into our car and I had to go talk with them. And of course, and it was the other guy's fault. So it shouldn't have been an issue. They tried to make it an issue. They tried to uh, uh, tell me I would have to spend extra because I was going to a really nice shop. And I'm like, screw you guys. And I, and then they, you know, it, it was, it was not a great experience. And I, and I talked with a friend of mine who owns the shop and, and he said, well, that's the problem is they've got their, their sort of preferred vendors because they cheap out on those preferred vendors. Right. Um, anyway, so what happened was I got kind of pissed off with them and I went, I'm going to a different insurance company. And I went to a really quite a well-known big one thinking it's going to be really expensive. And it saved me thousands of dollars a year on our house and car. I'm not talking hundreds. I'm talking thousands of dollars. And I was in, I'm still pissed off about that. And their message to me shouldn't have been all this other bullshit. It should have been, you are spending thousands too much on the same thing because yeah. now I'm like, this is bullshit. I am comparing this every bloody year because it just kept creeping up and I'm not getting anything else out of it. Yeah, but wasn't that Geico's thing for years, like save 15%, you know, or the State Farm went went with that, like on discount, double check, those type of things. I mean, I think some insurance companies have done that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I missed it then. Yeah. But if I'm you, I'm pissed, right? Yeah. I, I'm pissed because I'm like, my company was really taking advantage of me. If, you, if I save thousands on the same protection or better protection... I got better for really, you were really taking advantage of me. Yeah, we were. And it's because every year they would creep the prices up and you just, it's, it's like a boiling a frog. Like you don't really notice unless you go and compare. Hey, and, and that's, that's, that's right the whole now. thing is that's happening right now. Have you seen yeah. that? No, it's not. People are on just on fire about the rates that are happening with car insurance right now. We'll say in Texas and yeah, some of us goes, well, it gets broken into more. It gets stolen more. Well, <laughs> you know, well, why are you making me pay more for it then, right? You know, I mean, if if you already know that, that there has to be a problem. But rates are going up 50 to 100% in some cases. Yeah, so it's, it's completely, completely out of control. And But you know what? So so are the repairs. So are the costs all the way down the chain keep going up, right? Yeah, yeah but what they're going to end up doing is saying, okay, well, until it that the the economist in you just said that it doesn't matter what price is what because it will equal out. It, they just all keep ratcheting up till we feel comfortable again. We go through a little bit of pain. Yeah. But what what's happening now is during the pain, people go, "Well, I'm going to take my chance. <laughs> I'm not going to buy the insurance because you just doubled it. That means I can't afford blah blah blah. I don't care food, rent." kids, schools, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're skipping the insurance now to do it because of that. Does that make it less safe and more expensive? It uh, seems like it would. 
that's <coughs> it's just scary to hear that, to be honest, right? You don't want a bunch of people driving around uninsured. Well, and then they'll, they'll say, <clears throat> here's the other thing that I think they're going to have to figure out to do because you can't get your plates renewed unless you have insurance, right? So you let the insurance lapse right before you go get your plates, you get a policy, you pay for it for a month and then you cancel the policy. They're going to have to, there's all, it just, every time you put a rule in, there's going to be somebody gamify the rule. Yeah. 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 And it's, that's a mess. But like, uh, but like you said, they're, they're, they're knowing, knowing these problems as a business that's where the opportunity is to do some really innovative marketing because you, you know, like how many of these companies are doing the same marketing they did five years ago and 10 years ago, instead of looking at it and going, here's the issue. How do we stand out in the market? We know this is the problem. What did they want to buy? They want to buy in, inexpensive insurance because everybody's jacked the prices up. What can we do for a product that actually uh, is affordable? And, and, and how do we, how do we take advantage of this opportunity? And it's, that's something we talk a lot about is, is, you know, it's, it's at times we're talking about the marketing and like, okay, here's the challenges. Here's where here's the, and, and a lot of times we just kind of go, well, let's flip it on its head here. And there's an opportunity there because we understand the problem. And if we understand the problem really well, and we're, we're disciplined enough to, to uh, uh, kind of respect the market and, and, and um, th then there's an opportunity. Or we just dismiss it and go, ah, so that's dumb. Let's just do what, we, what we've always done, right? All right. So th <clears throat> this insurance thing is kind of interesting, right? Because I've never been a proponent. When you said, let's find another product, I've never been a proponent or a champion of paper mile, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when you think about it, it started to make sense. I'm like, all right, well, I should pay less if I'm only driving this much, I mean, I work from home. I only go to the store and back. I don't, you know, yeah. <clears throat> I drive less, so less chances that I'm going to get in a wreck. You know, what they try to do is spread the risk out to everybody that's out there. Yeah. Well, spread it to everybody that's out there right? <laughs> because yeah. if you're out there, you, you should take on more of the risk. That's totally true because we barely put miles on our car. Like, cause I, I work from home. Uh, Almost all our miles are highway miles between here and Scottsdale. Outside of that, the car sits in the garage. Like we barely put any miles on. I've got uh, our cars. It's a 2020 we bought in the summer of 19. So 19, 20, 21, 22. So this would be the fifth summer. And we have under 50,000 kilometers on it, which would be like under 30,000, like 25, 30,000 miles. Like we, we have no kilometers on that car. Right. Um, should we be paying like someone that is driving all day, like Uber driving all day, every day? That's their job. Should we be paying the same rates? I don't know. Yeah. Cause I, I've got a 2022, right? So it's a year and a half old or something like that. I just hit 8,000 miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You drive in a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you're doing 6,000 miles a year, which is basically the same as what we're doing on our, our car. Like same thing. You're barely driving and there's people out there that are driving all the time. Why are we held to the same standard? Are, are we like, I, I don't know. I don't even remember what, how it works to be honest, but yeah. So uh, let's go back to the message though. What do you want to tell people now? What's changed again? It used to be, uh, you know, 
again, I've got the best product because of these things, right? It's changed towards problem solving. I mean, solving a problem is a big deal. I'm only looking yeah. for things to buy because I have a problem to solve. And you're like, oh, well, that's not true all the time. I'm like, yeah, name something. Somebody goes, well, what if I want a pizza? Well, the problem you're trying to solve is you're hungry. <laughs> you know, what if I need a new shirt? Well, you have an old shirt you want to replace. That's your problem. <laughs> you know? exactly. It doesn't matter. When we buy things, it's to solve problems. So we should yep. market to people that have that problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, but therein lies the rub, right? How do you get to the right people at the right time with the right message? Because it is so crowded out there. Like, you know, email marketing. How many emails did you get? I'm not even going to say this week, today that were dumb, that you just trashed, that you, you know, most of them, I tell you what, I mean, Microsoft Outlook is really doing a good job of this junk mail filter. I don't know. I just, yeah. empty, I empty it once a day. I, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, whatever hell's in there. I don't even look at it. It could be important. <laughs> it gets yeah. it I mean, and I just go empty junk mail <laughs> or empty folder. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's such a crowded space and to be able to like, that's, that's what we're always talking about. How do we get to like our customers? They're, they're running businesses and they're stressed and they're busy. How do we get to them with the right message at the right time <clears throat> that they care about? It's that's a real challenge, right? I, it is, but we're not going to have this conversation where you just said the same thing. And I'm going to say five years. If I make a bold prediction on this show, it'll say that statement will no longer exist. How do I get the right message to you at the right time? Because we're already, if you're talking about it, the phone will send you an ad about it. <laughs> you know, if, well, if, we're, if we're connecting our accounting systems to other things, then even dry run will be able to tell you, hey, do this now because X, Y, Z is going to happen in the future. Right. So if I, they connect, I, if, if they connect if, to us, but I actually, I'm a little more cynical than you. I think it's going to be the opposite because what's happening is people are so inundated with it that, that, um, there's more and more ability to shut everything off. You won't have to connect. Banks will do it for you. I, I, I think banks will do it for you. They're already connected. They already know cash flow that's coming in and out. They're going to say, yeah. Hey, listen, we've looked at your stuff for the last 10 years. You're going to have a problem. You can say that, except that I think when it comes down to it, people don't want their bank in their business. They don't want their lawyers and like, they don't want um, people knowing their business. And it's actually getting um, there's, there's the, the bank will say, I'm not in your business. The bank will say, I'm not that? in your business. The bank will say, I'm not in your business. I mean, the, the robot did that. Right. It's the same thing. People, you, you just said the same thing that banks told me in 2012 about, I can never ask my business owners to connect their accounting system to something out, you know, outside of their business. 2012, I heard that day after day after day. Nobody's going to connect to this thing because they're scared. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Now they connect their QuickBooks to anything. You're like, oh, that's a light bulb. Y'all collect, <laughs> connect my QuickBooks to it. <laughs> they will connect yeah. QuickBooks to anything. It's the same thing going to happen in the banking world. Well, I hope so. What I'd love to see is that the banks, it's, it's my data freed up. 
I shouldn't have to use a third party tool to get my banking information. Okay. I should have an API that gets gets that information. But it's also still a crowded marketplace. Do people know about dry run? Do they, do they know um, how do we get to the ones that, that matter, that, that, that we can help, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a challenge, it's, it's, and I think it always will be. I, I, I think algorithms will get better for your advertising. You know, uh, it will be whereas, I'll say, as, as good as Google is, if I'm a business owner in Topeka, Kansas, and I Google, uh, how do I manage cash better? It isn't just that, uh, you know, you get all these, you know, search results. What's going to happen is it's going to start like going, hey, you know, you search for this a lot, like every three or four months. And they're going to start bombarding you with, you know, paid ads from dry run. Yeah. To anything. To, I mean, to, to pop ups on your screen or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I, I, I think that gets even more invasive at first. Mm-hmm. But now, but now, now I think it's uh, the predictive uh, part of that is weak because if I search for, I need a new pair of shoes, Nikes will say, and I buy Nikes, then they're still sending me ads and stuff for Nikes af- even after I bought. I'm like, for oh, ten years after, yeah, I don't need fifty pairs of these things that I just bought yesterday. Yeah, and, but what happens when every business is doing that, and that's what they're trying to get to people? Then I think people say enough shut her down don't don't send me that shit anymore and what happens then is they still get inundated with crap but it has nothing to do with them which is even worse it's like it it, it's it's not personalized to them it's not helping them make any decisions and stuff that actually matters to them but i understand why they're going enough i'm out and and that's the i I think there's still going to be a balancing act that moving forward it's going to be there's a lot of people that just go shut her down no, don't want it. Yeah, but what, what, what's missing then is the feedback loop because the computer doesn't know that you've already solved the problem. The computer doesn't know. So it goes back to your right advice at the right time. The computer doesn't know. So they're probably going to find a way to get that feedback loop where, oh, it's closed. That's a closed thing for him. Stop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's challenging because the feedback loop, let's say people are going like, oh no, that's not for me. And they kind of sort of say it, right? Because we have people that we, we talk with and they're like, um, they really need dry run and they just don't, their, their mindset isn't there. And they're like, I don't, I just don't get it. Right. And then we have someone comes in as like, oh my God, you've changed my life. Right. Yeah. And, and. How do you, how do you reconcile those? Right? Well, you just said it. You say you talk to some people and say, I don't get it. Well, okay. Well, what are you trying to do? What, what was it about dry run that attracted you in the first place? Oh, I'm saying like metaphorically, they talk to us, but what uh, I'm saying is like with all this, with, with the automation and that they're making decisions and, and determinations and they're reading the algorithms and going, well, nobody, they don't want this. And it's like a check against us. And that's like, yeah, but these guys love us and it's a check for us. And it's like, I don't know. Like it, it makes it, it makes it a real, and they a have real to- challenge. Cause it's so crowded out there. That's the thing, right? Like it's people are inundated with stuff. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So th- that's going to be hard to do. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> <laughs> honest, that seems very hard. I mean, I built software, you built software. I'm like, it's going to be hard to do. 
It is. And that's, that's what I'm saying is I know you're really optimistic. I'm like, it's not going to get any easier. It'll be different, but it's not going to get any easier. Right. Yeah. I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be different in five years. We'll have different a different for sure. We'll have a different perspective about this in five years. Yeah. I, oh, I'm sure we will. I just don't know if it'll be much easier for the, for the businesses. I, I hopefully, but I don't know. It's tough. All right. So the topic today was unleashing your marketing mojo. What final thought from you? What what is it? What would you tell the small business owners saying, I want to unleash my marketing mojo? Well, I still will go back to um, uh, like clarity of message. Like you talked about how important, you know, uh, um, getting through the thick and having a real clear message, but I will double down on how you're different because, um, it's so crowded out there in whatever space you're in, it's really crowded. And one of the ways to find that group that's really going to care about you and, 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 and buy like what you're selling is being very clear on how you differentiate yourself and it has to dovetail with what they want to buy. What is, what is that universal buying persona, not selling persona? What do they need to buy from you to help them? Yeah, I like that. So uh, I, I think for me, it's, I want to be able to connect with you online or otherwise on reasons why you've already dismissed me. I think that's my next big challenge is you just said, Hey, listen, some people get it. Some people don't. And I mean, you get a check mark against check mark for what is the thing? What's your misperception about my brand? And I want to bring that to the forefront and make you question why you think the way you do. And, and, and I know that's a weird, that's a, probably a weird, weird, vague concept. But if I already think that you don't, I'll, I'll take electric cars. What are some reasons why people don't buy electric cars? Well, they think bad range. Huh? Yeah. Bad range. Range. Yeah. It's, that's number one by it. It's, yeah. it's, it's range, range anxiety or whatever they call it. Yeah. All right. So that means the car. So what they're doing now is saying, Hey, listen, this thing goes 500 miles. That's longer than you can go before you have to pee. <laughs> That's a marketing message right there. You're like, 500 miles is longer than you can sit in the car anyway. All right. Yeah. And then you got, again, I'll go back to the internal reason. You can't afford it. Well, maybe you can't afford the, the X, but maybe you can afford, afford the Y, right? Which is the, the, I think the smaller one of the Teslas. And then you get the external reason, which is infrastructure. I go over to the quarry today, which is a big shopping area. Supercharger, supercharger, supercharger. I mean, they're just keep building them over and over and over again. So there's going to be yeah. a point in time when infrastructure will not be the case. Yeah. And that's, and that's, again, it comes down to range. Like if, um, if we're driving from here to Arizona, um, there's sort of two things. It's the actual range itself. When it's 300 miles, I'm like, no. That ain't, and the infrastructure when we're driving through the middle of the country, which is not probably as, as good as down the coast. Um, I'm looking at going, there's no way, but in three, four years from now, if they come out and say, yeah, I got a car that's 600 miles, 700 miles, and we've got superchargers every 50 miles that completely changes the game for us. Absolutely. Completely. Right. Well, I, to me, there's a secondary thing that has to happen. Average gas stop for me, what, 15 minutes? 
Yeah, it has to be rapid charge. It has it to has be 15, to be 20 rapid, minutes. Yeah, it has to be 15 minutes or so where it's just yeah. charging while I go to the bathroom, get some snacks, go, go on my way. Now, but if it's, if if I can go 600 miles on a charge and I'm like, yeah, I'll go at least 500 and then I'll recharge or whatever. I'm stopping once during the day for a long drive and and then at least for us. Right. And that makes a big difference. Cause it's like, I'm not charged stopping every hour. I'm like, I'm, I'm stopping once, grab a bite to eat. Um, you know, and that, but you know, there is a secondary thing of coolness factor. The car has got to be cool too. Right. Like that's the, you know, it's, I, I don't want like a, a, a big, like vanilla bean driving down the road that, well, yeah, I can charge it up, but man, this thing's like a, <laughs> like the Oscar Mayer wiener mobile going down the road. That's, that's not, that's not cool to me. <laughs> All right. So you have listened to episode 102. 102 is in the books and we talk about unleashing your marketing mojo and we talk everywhere from, you know, you, what is your unique selling proposition to what is your unique buying, you know, position and try to put that together. We have a beer sponsor. Who was that? Jonathan Engel, Engel Investments. Thanks, Jonathan. This is, this is a terrific beer. And um, even though it's super heavy, I, I think I'm still talking at a reasonable pace. And, uh, and I've, and I've got my other beer sponsor that you'll all be familiar with. I'm rolling them out next week and we're just gonna, we're gonna just jockey back and forth. So I'm excited. Yeah. So I have no beer sponsor for the next eight weeks while he's got two that he's juggling back and forth. So if you want a beer sponsor, if you want to sponsor me to offset all of these weeks and weeks and weeks of beer sponsors that he has lines up, lined up, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> let me know. I will put you on here and I will blast his sponsors out of the water. Something tells me neighbor Pat's going to wander down and give you some beer one of these days here. So. <laughs> You know what, neighbor Pat? Yeah, he's up there. He, he he's been busy. We've been busy here. I tell you, what, we are getting ready here at the house for uh, the in-laws' fiftieth wedding anniversary. We're hosting here on Saturday, right? Nice. And, and I don't know if you've ever hosted a party at your house like something like that with like like a fiftieth. But we yep. had Stanley Steamer out doing the grout, <laughs> painting walls, fixing the scratches, all the stuff you should do anyway. It has been a massive two weeks. I don't think I've been outside seven times in <laughs> two weeks, you know, just trying to get the house ready for people to come in and, and visit over the over the weekend. I, I well, I'll tell you two things. We we had we had my parents' sixtieth and my uncle and aunt's all at once because they're they're around the same time, sixtieth. And so we had a bunch of people over and there's two tactics we used as one is we outsourced cleaning <laughs> and then <laughs> got to get the lights dim because it was dark out at that time of year. And we keep the lights a little dimmer. It's like, yeah, it looks fine. <laughs> so it worked out pretty good. All right. So I think, I think Courtney outsourced cleaning to me. <laughs> well, I guess that's one way to do it. <laughs> no, she did. You know, I'm telling you what, she's been busting her ass. I, I, you know, if she hears that, I said she outsourced it to me. She's going to call me out as a liar right off the bat. She has been busting her hump around the house. I mean, everything I, I did the baseboard. So if you come to the house, Look at my baseboards, spotless, military clean. <laughs> yeah. I would say that one of the gifts you can give her is to outsource. <laughs> there we go. Hey, all right. So you've been listening to Mike and Blaine. I am Mike Milan, Cashflow Mike, and that is Blaine Birch of Dry Run. Uh, hey, join us next week. We got more of this coming your way. Business, beer, and BS. Check out their website at mikeandblaine.com. Then subscribe to the podcast and buy these guys a beer. <laughs>